to tell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, black and smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, the podcast that accidentally broke Santa's sleigh about 60 yizzles ago and is hoping he doesn't remember. Our session-long tour of familiar faces is about to take an interesting turn because today we're revisiting our old pal Punky Brewster. Last year we watched as she learned, yes, Punky, there is a Santa Claus. This time around, we're watching her Saturday morning cartoon, It's Punky Brewster, and this is Christmas in July. I am dying to know whether the skateboard of my dreams will be waiting for me five months from now, Mike Westfall. And joining me, all decked out in a duct-shaped swimming tube and flippers and ready to board a public city bus, Steven is back. Hey, Steven. Here goes something. <laughs> and my magical leprechaun gopher buddy who hopes the next rainbow is the rainbow home. It's Adam Pope. Hello, Adam. Oh, hey, Mike. So great to be here with my punky friend. <laughs> that's, a, oh. that's a much, that's a much oh, better wow. glamour than what I tried to do. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to talk about this shining light of nostalgia for me. Oh, Adam, I promised you we'd cover the Punky Brewster cartoon, and here we are. Yes, I mean, th this is a thing for me where the last show felt like a warm-up to get into <laughs> right now. Oh, because boy. Steven was all about the live-action series, right? That was his passion. And for me, like, Punky Brewster is list, like, top three all-time Saturday morning cartoons for me. Like, wow. I make a distinction. Whoa. Between like syndicated weekday cartoons, and those like punky that were exclusive, right? To like Saturday morning. So mm -hmm. it, for me, it was, I, I was tuning in every Saturday to see Muppet Babies, the real yep. Ghostbusters and Punky Brewster. Like that, everything else was just icing on my bowl of Rice Krispies, right? Like if I <laughs> got those in, I was happy. This, so is, wonderful. This, this is shocking to learn that you love this cartoon so much. <laughs> as much as I know you, I can't believe this cartoon is a top three Saturday morning cartoon for you, but okay. I can believe it. <laughs> it makes sense when you stop and think about it. Okay. But you know my, my obsession with Troop Beverly Hills, Punky Brewster's got to be in there somewhere. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. More than Al? Like the Alf cartoon or Al Alf Adventures was interesting and the regular Alf cartoon, sure, but no, Punky. We're gonna talk about it. It has a lot to do with okay. the theme song and some other life lessons I learned. So that theme song. It's a good theme. But first, Steven, have you ever seen this episode before? I'm sure I've seen this episode before. I have no memory of seeing this episode, but I yeah, did watch the show every Saturday morning. In college, I did find tapes of the Goodwill. Uh, of this cartoon because that was the only Punky Brewster uh, VHS available at Goodwill. Uh, so I am very familiar with this cartoon, but for whatever reason, this is a memory hole episode. Okay. 
Well, the last time we talked about Punky, I said I thought I watched the cartoon first before I ever realized it was even based on a live action sitcom. And going back to this and listening to that opening theme music, I am now absolutely certain I watched the cartoon first. Because every time I would watch the original show, I would think to myself, I remember this theme song being more upbeat. <laughs> really? And now I remember, no, it's this one. It's this one go, Punky Brewster. They didn't even mention her name on the show. What do you think, Steven? You love that theme song. You, well, you know who wrote the, well, are we talking about the original theme song? Like yeah. the live action? Yeah, that's uh -huh. one of my favorite theme songs of all time. Do you know who wrote that theme song? The same guy who did the Cheers theme song? Yeah. Gary Portnoy, who yep. also did the Cheers theme song. Yeah, so that that's one of my favorite theme songs of all time. It makes me misty every time. Uh, I watch Punky Brewster. He specializes in the somber yet somehow optimistic. Like it's really sure. weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like for me, this is like all time, like actual favorite Saturday morning cartoon theme song. Like it's so poppy. It's so 80s. It oh, yeah. feels like a song that could have been sung on the radio if you changed the lyrics. You know, it had a good bridge. You know, you could. Yeah. Absolutely. This sounds like you could throw this on like a Cindy Lauper album and try and see if anybody notices. Yeah, like it's been an earworm for me literally all my life. So it's just, it's just been <laughs> yep. in there. And like the thing about it is if you listen to the chorus, you know, like you were singing like Punky Brewster, I always want you here with me. Right. You have that. It sounds like the vocalist is singing about Punky. But if you really listen to the lyrics, it's from Punky's perspective, singing about and then to Glomer. Which is odd. Yes. That's the great thing about this. This theme song also doubles as an instant 30 second backstory explaining who is this furry little Ewok looking guy. <laughs> well, the way it just like effortlessly goes from I met a new friend who was two feet tall, 104 years old. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that happens all the time to me. Uh, Adam, <laughs> would you care to introduce us to Glomer? Oh, Glomer. So this is a character who is one of the most bizarre, overcomplicated concepts, I feel like. He is Punky's magical friend, right? He is from the magical land of Sean Dune, and uh, Punky spied him uh, through a rainbow that opened up a portal to his world. And then he saw her riding away on her bike, and so he decided to follow her through. He couldn't get back to Sean Dune, his magical land. Now, the thing about this is, you know, obviously uh, we've talked about the live action series. It was very down to earth, very dealing with, you know, issues of life and all this thing. He adds this fantastical, wacky element, and he is considered, as he says, he is a gloamy, which is a leprechaun gopher is his official designation. Yes, he uh, he the, the gloamies live with leprechauns and help them mine for gold. Yeah. But yet he has no Irish accent. Nope. And it's it's strange because, yeah, there are the actual like humanoid leprechauns. In, in one episode, he releases an evil leprechaun named Bad Barney, who's exiled <laughs> into a decorative plate like the, you know, the Kryptonian uh, Phantom Zone situation. Yes. Yep. Um, and so but and he has an Irish accent and he is one of the humanoid leprechauns. And so it's, it's so odd because you feel so simple to just say, I have a magical friend from a magical land. But then to tie it to leprechauns feels like an unnecessary explanation as to why he has powers, you know? Well, 
And the other thing is, it's like he he's an orphan, so it ties into Punky being an orphan. Mm-hmm. And in the opening credits, it always broke my heart that you see like a single tear rolling down his cheek as yes. he realizes he's trapped on Earth. But then he's never like a like kind of a, a heartbreaking, sympathetic character in the cartoon, is he? It's just in the opening credits. Yeah, like occasionally he gets a little maudlin, a little like, oh, I wish I'd right. go back to Sean Dude, but it's it's not the main okay. thrust of his character. I do want to mention there was a Glomer doll that was released. Was there? Yeah, there's an actual plush Glomer that you could buy back in the day. Oh my I'm goodness. Just, I want to come across this somewhere. I've never seen it in the wild, but I did also got, I got to mention this because Glover, he's a gopher, right? So he's furry, yeah. he's cute, he's brown. So I've been able to collect these VHS tapes like Steven had his back in the day. And I have it as my background here for you guys to see. We can share it on social media when this comes out. Yep. But there is a, I don't know who came up with this alternate design for Glover that is shown on the back of the cassette. That's but supposed he, to be Glomer? He's right next to Brandon. What? Yeah, it looks nothing like him. He looks like a, a chubby Mogwai, basically. Yeah, like Bizarre. it almost looked like it had a little lipstick on there. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I thought, like, is it like Glomer's buddy from Sean Dune? I call him Boner. <laughs> somebody messed up that character design when they were designing the vhs box <laughs> they sure did hope someone got fired for that blunder <laughs> the crazy thing is he's oh i don't know if you can see but he's fine on the front yeah he's got his regular model on the front but it's just the back there he is i've seen that yeah interesting that's so bizarre <laughs> Yeah, you were talking about his accent, and the voice of Glomer is who else? Frank Welker. Santa and Glomer be going way back. <laughs> we being like this. Welcome back, Frank. But Punky and all of her friends are all voiced by the actual cast of Punky's original show, which is huge. I mean, I can't overemphasize what a difference having the entire live-action cast doing the voices makes to this series. Just the legitimacy that it adds. Yeah, they're all great. They are. They are like they do a wonderful job. Yeah. And even George Gaines comes back to play Henry, which is amazing. He does. Yeah. He only gets a couple of lines here, but it's great to hear his voice. Like, nope, that's Henry. That's George Mm -hmm. Gaines doing Henry. I've always wondered, though, why Sherry's grandma isn't on the show. She has such a distinct voice. She would have translated perfectly to animation. It really would have. I wonder if she had other commitments. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Because this series came out while the live action series was still on the air, yeah. which has got to be groundbreaking. Usually they do it like when the series has ended, they're trying to revive it or it's on its last legs. And here it was in full swing and they're doing an animated series of the same continuity almost like it's very, very close. So they're getting two paychecks, all the yeah. actors. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and NBC was trying to milk the punky Brewster mania for all it's worth. And I think they did a pretty decent job in, in the mid eighties there. Yeah, for sure. For a couple of years. Yeah. For the two seasons, this was on, they, they really were firing on, on cylinders. So I looked to see if any of these kids had gone on to do more voice acting work. And three of them have. Oh, Soleil Moon Fry is still voice acting. It's fantabulous. It being one gnarly skateboard. That skateboard, Glomer. She's the longtime voice on the Proud family as Penny's shy, nerdy friend, Zoe. Huh. Yeah, and also she was on Tiny Toon Adventures as Elmira's older sister, Amanda. What? Yes. I never knew that. That's crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. Neither did I. I was looking through. I'm just like, oh, wait a minute. And I've mentioned before that Amy Foster, our beloved Margot, Hunky better have a good excuse. Uh, would briefly voice two Peanuts characters. She was Sally for one thing, and then Lucy in that This Is America Charlie Brown series. Oh. And she was also in the Pound Puppies cartoon. She was Holly. She was like their main human friend. Oh, I never put that together. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of pound puppies, Casey Ellison, who plays Alan in this, maybe I'll leave my Christmas list, was a voice in one pound puppies episode. He <laughs> was a young runaway pup named Bowser. That's, <laughs> that's probably still a popular name for dogs, but not for the same reason. That's right. <laughs> I could not find any voice roles for Cherry Johnson, unfortunately. This is it. Maybe Santa will leave it under the tree. Aww. There was no Family Matters animated series? No, there should have been. How did that not happen? How yeah. did that not happen? Adventures of Urkel. Yeah, exactly. An Urkel oh my cartoon. goodness. He was too tied up to Sonic, I guess. That must have been it. Yeah. That's true, yeah. Now, I have to give a shout out real quick just to Ruby Spears in general. Yes. Mm-hmm. As an animation studio in the 80s and early 90s, they didn't last too long after that. But Hanna-Barbera and Deke, to me, they may have had more product, but it was always low-grade crap compared to what I feel was the care and the extra creativity that Ruby Spears did because they did shows like Alvin and the Chipmunks, yep. Plastic Man, Laser Tag Academy, Mr. T. Like, that's my whole childhood in the 80s. <laughs> yes. Cowboys of Moo Mesa in the 90s. Like mm-hmm. they, they ruled my childhood, especially Steven. You have to remember this with the Superman series from 1988 went for the 50th anniversary. Not only do I remember it, there was a voiceover actor on our roster when I was uh, producing commercials and I, and he voiced Superman and Mr. Fantastic in the in the 90s oh, Fantastic Four wow. cartoon. And I would always push <laughs> him for every job <laughs> and then I would have to direct him. And it was it was surreal directing wow. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> So cool. It was fantastic. But yeah. So I just, I, I, whenever I saw Ruby Spears attached to something, I was like, oh, I know this is going to have a little, little extra shine to it. So I kept thinking as I was watching this, that you could see Alvin and the Chipmunks popping into this world. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Effortlessly. Yeah. Almost like, cause there was the Mr. T episode of Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yes. Which was the same animation as the Mr. T, Mr. T and the team. The T team. Yeah. Mr. T and the T team? I'm pretty sure. That's a I mean, terrible. I, the, the series was just called Mr. T, but they referred but to they themselves were, yeah, as the T team. team. Yeah. Okay. That's a terrible name. It's the T team. But they wrote out Mr. It's M I S T E R T is yeah. the official title of that. With the hand crunching the T. Yes. <laughs> right. You know what? I just saw that lunchbox in a vintage store. Oh, oh nice. So it was, it was pretty cool. Okay, yeah. Now that that this all jives, this all makes sense that mm-hmm. this would be the same animation company that made these shows. So yeah. yeah. So this episode is a shorter one because Punky Brewster's cartoon, like a lot at the time, they divided each half hour episode into two separate stories. And Wikipedia also calls this series its Punky Brewster to differentiate it from the original sitcom, but IMDB doesn't. And neither did the cartoon itself. So now I'm trying to figure out who added the it's. Yeah, it must have been something in syndication. That's what I, I only thought. Because, Maybe. yeah, like the title cards and everything never say it's Punky Brewster. So that is weird. That might be a decision for like TV Guide, I guess. Maybe that's it. Hmm. Maybe that's how they did it. Well, because I, I was actually just thinking now, did, didn't they run Punky Brewster sometime on Saturday mornings? 
the, like, the dude, actual sitcom? Like the live action show. Possibly. So maybe it was just, I feel like if I'm not mistaken, and someone please call me out on it. As a kid, I remember watching it back to back sometimes where you would watch the live action and the cartoon. Wow. But I, I could be wrong. Yeah, that seems like a memory I have in here. Or like at the very, very least, there's an episode or two. There's a segment or two. Soleil Moon for I did of one to grow on. Well, yeah, definitely sure. there. And yeah. then also, I feel like they must have helped to host when this launched. Remember how NBC would always do the Saturday oh, morning preview? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure all the kids were part of that, too. Yes. Sure. And Alf would sometimes uh, be That's with you right. on Saturday morning. <laughs> or <laughs> the kids from Saved by the Bell. There's another sitcom I can't believe didn't get an animated series. because It was basically a live action cartoon anyway. So And, and Soleil Moonfry was on that, too. Yep. Yes, she was. <laughs> So Christmas in July is the latter half of an episode that first aired on NBC on Saturday, October 12th, 1985. Neither the July nor Christmas, but uh, October 12th, 1985. Hey, that's the same day that a case of plutonium mysteriously disappeared. (laughs) Is there a DeLorean in the background of this episode? Always, (laughs) always. Interesting that they wrote this as a Christmas in July episode and it aired right before Halloween, before a Halloween episode, which this series also had. Oh, yes. (laughs) That's very bizarre. But for now, let's get into the Christmas in July spirit with Punky. And if you want to watch this, make sure you search It's Punky Brewster Christmas in July. But uh, it's not streaming anywhere officially at press time, but I found some uploaded copies in the usual places. It's Punky Brewster, who starts this episode staring longingly into the window of a toy store at a skateboard she really wants, thereby causing her and her friends to miss the bus to a day at the pool. And these kids were all wearing their swimsuits to go to the pool. None of them appear to have any change of clothes with them. (laughs) Just towels, yeah. Only Cherry had a towel, I think. I think she's the only one who's half prepared. Are these kids just... Preparing to get on a bus back home again, dripping wet. Well, that's a, I was just wondering, too, because I grew up in the suburbs. I didn't grow up in the middle of a no. city like them. So it's like you have to take the bus to go to the pool. We just had a pool in the middle of our neighborhood. You know, that was the community pool. So that was another thing that stood out to me. I was just like, wow, that's a, that's a long trip to get over to the pool. Our community pool was at the other end of our neighborhood than we were. So we did have to end up driving. Until we were old enough to ride our bikes, but it was it was quite a bike ride. I lived in kind of a pretty big neighborhood. Yeah, there were pools in the city. I remember when I worked there, Mm -hmm. you you could find like a big old community pool in the middle of a city. So that makes sense to me. It tracks that they need to take the bus. It doesn't track that they don't have towels and are just like, (laughs) well, guess we're going to drip dry in the on the bus. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, or they would just sit out in the sun, right? Isn't that what you do? I was going to say, July in Chicago has got to be pretty hot. That that could be, yeah. I don't know how public pools in Chicago work, but every public pool (laughs) I've ever been to made you bring your own towel and was outside, so. Also, Glomer's there, and Glomer can conjure up towels He could, yeah. Glomer's (laughs) hanging out in the backpack where the towels could have (laughs) been. Exactly. Or they could just use the human towel. Or Yeah, exactly. Worst comes to worst, you just rub Glover <laughs> all over go. yourself. That's it. Because <laughs> he has to hide in the backpack anyway. Sure. But Alan is out here with a floaty tube and flippers. He looks like Wade Duck from Garfield and Friends. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Punky's wearing the backpack where Glomer's hiding. It doesn't even look like there's enough room for just him in there. But Punky has already forgotten about the pool. She's too busy ogling this skateboard in the window, explaining to Glomer that Henry said if she wants one, she has to wait until Christmas. But five months is way too long for her to find out whether she'll have one waiting for her on Christmas morning. Five months is pretty long to start thinking about what Santa Claus has for you. But let me ask you all, when was the earliest you remember writing to Santa or sending him a list? I've, I was always a last minute kind of guy. So I, okay. I was in like, you know, end of November. I'm like, I better get this, get this together. Here's the Sears catalog. Let me circle some stuff. Like, but my kids, like they are telling me all year long. Do you think Santa can get me this? Do you think Santa can get start? <laughs> yep. They just keep the list all year long. Yeah, I think it was as soon as that Sears catalog came out, I was like that this is it because then you could see all the toys that were coming and you would circle the start circling the Batman 89 grouping with Bob the Goon. You were like, OK, oh, yeah, you need Bob the Goon. <laughs> you need Bob the Goon this year for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember starting my Christmas list any earlier than Thanksgiving, even when we had the wish book. I was looking through it, but like I didn't get anything officially in writing to Santa until at least first week of December. So this kind of conversation was surprising to me, but I understand. She really wants that skateboard. Uh, and Glomer has a simpler solution. Oh, I can be finding out easy. <laughs> All I need to do is ask Santa. You mean you know Santa Claus? Because he just casually puts out there that, oh yeah, I know Santa. Of course, Glomer knows Santa. He works with leprechauns. At the <laughs> annual convention, you know, they all get together, talk about their holiday plans. There you go. Do some PowerPoints. <laughs> <laughs> some panels. <laughs> all these holiday mascots are buddies. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that Glomer knows Santa is the least surprising thing about this episode, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. <laughs> but now Punky and all her friends are very excited after learning Glomer knows Santa, and now they all want him to ask Santa what they're getting for Christmas. But Glomer has an even better idea. They can ask Santa themselves. And with a glittery wave of his hands, he transports the four friends to the North Pole in their swimsuits. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> Adam, this is the second time you and I have seen people in swimsuits unexpectedly end up at the North Pole. It is bizarre. I don't know how that became a trope of these specials, but there you go. <laughs> we are. It happened. It happened on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show and now to Punky Brewster. Oh, there you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. And while Mario seems to have a higher tolerance for extreme cold, these children do not. Not even these uh, Windy City natives. <laughs> It is. It was funny that they just flash into the snow in their bathing suits. And my first thought was like, well, what's going to happen? How are they going to get out of this mess? They're going to be freezing. <laughs> well, and, and Punky shivers for help at this point. Thankfully, Glomer outfits them all with nice warm coats and snowsuits. My favorite thing about this is that he knows Punky so well that he has her decked out on brand, her boots are two different colors, just yep. like her shoes. That's you're right. like, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's exactly like the blue with the rainbow striped coat. That is absolutely a punky coat. And then Margot complains about the color of her outfit. And then Glomer says, tough kabushkis. Glomer, I really think I look better in pink. 
Oh, tough kabooskis. Tough <laughs> Yeah. Made a note you, of that. Used all his magic just to get them there. Not enough to uh, change her blue snowsuit pink, unfortunately. Is tough kabooskis like a, a saying that he says a lot? I'd never heard him say I don't it before. Think so. So, okay. <laughs> no, he always is coming up with weird, like, you know, he's she's just messing stuff up, like different sayings. What's that called? I always forget when you do that. <sighs> Misnomer? Yeah, misnomer. Misnomer for Glomer. Oh, hey! That's funny. Uh, Miss Glomers. Can, <laughs> it's Glomers misnomers. Oh. Can I just say, so I've been watching this show my entire life, basically, since it aired. Finally, this time, watching it right before uh, this show, it hit me who Glomer reminds me of. Oh, who's that? Jar Jar Binks. Wow. wow. That's it. <laughs> They kind of have the similar voice. Frank Welker's doing that voice that he reserves for characters like Jar Jar Binks if he had ever voiced Jar Jar Binks. But yeah, I mean, I thought, Stephen, you were going to say Slimer because Glover's okay. the Slimer voice. Hyper Slimer. Or yeah. uh, the other one I uh, associate with this voice is uh, when he was Game Boy on Captain N. Oh. It was a little more robotic, but it's that same learning, warning. Okay. It's just also like the way he confuses sentences and speaks backwards. Yeah. That Yoda Jar Jar kind of thing. I like that he even replaces Alan's flippers with a pair of snowshoes. And I don't mean boots. I mean the kind that look like tennis rackets on your feet. He was paying attention. He really really was. He had it all figured out. Glomer gave himself a pair of snowshoes, too. For some reason, he can fly. You've been levitating above the ground this entire time. You don't need snowshoes. Maybe he was, was going to use that. Maybe uh, Santa has a tennis court somewhere at the North Pole. Oh, he just likes be. to be prepared. Yeah. Well, while we're here. <laughs> but the group is now a conveniently short walk to Santa's village, which appears to be surrounded by a candy cane striped outer wall. I wonder if those are actual candy canes, because if so, that's terrible security. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I guess it depends on how solid his recipe is for candy canes. I guess so. But you think someone's not going to try and eat their way through that? <laughs> well, <laughs> at least the intruders will have fresh breath. There it is. That's right. <laughs> the kids do not attempt to eat their way through, but the front gate is locked and try as he might, Glomer cannot unlock it, saying they probably being closed for lunch. <laughs> That's when an elf meets them at the gate and tells them the workshop is closed because they're all on vacation. You know, because it's summer. We later learn this elf's name is Rick, and he has sort of a gangster voice for some reason. Sorry, sweetheart. Santa's gone south. This voice was, I was, again, trying to wonder. I'm like, what do I know this voice from? And I feel like he's doing a Jackie Gleason impression. I, no, I'm, it's it's Humphrey Bogart, dude. His name's Rick. He's Rick oh, the Elf. He's okay. Rick from Casablanca. Oh, and I, that I, makes more sense. For me, I thought it was an Edward G. Robinson in Little Caesar because at one point he says, <laughs> see? Maybe, maybe it's just all of them. It, it's, you know, Frank Welker <laughs> just grabbed every influence he could find and, and created this character. But he Rick the Elf, though, he looks like a roadie for Leonard Skinner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Long, scraggly hair. Oh, he and does. he's just like, what is he doing? <laughs> he's the guy that Santa left in charge to, to watch the workshop. It's Rick the Elf and two reindeer, and that's it. Everyone else is gone. 
If you were a kid and that was the first elf you met, you would be so disappointed in Christmas and Santa. Like, this is the magical elf that is making my toys. This surly (laughs) cigar chomping guy. Yeah, and these kids are ready to call it a day. He's just sorry you wasted your trip. Santa's not here. (laughs) And Punky says, I guess we have to wait for Christmas after all. But Glomer's not ready to leave just yet. He ensures Rick the Elf, Santa's his close buddy friend, who would not mind at all if Punky's... Uh, I think he says, if Punky Pika sneak. Close buddy friend Santa won't mind if Punky Pika sneak. And the elf buys it. He lets the Minda have a look just for a minute. And oh, what a minute ends up making all the difference. Yeah, it it seems like a security issue. Like Santa needs to institute a Disneyland style, you know, dress code for (laughs) his employees and also get them up to date on the uh, latest uh, security procedures, because that's not a good idea. (laughs) First, maybe he should fix his sign because we zoom in and the sign outside looks like the animators accidentally misspelled Santa's workshop as Sanra's workshop. (laughs) That looked like an R to me. But inside, Punky comments that Santa's really modernized his operation. That's where all the money's going. This is something we've seen many, many times before. It's a workshop full of machines and conveyor belts. This instance of the workshop is run by a giant mainframe computer with several monitors, a big marquee displaying the current date. It's July 20th. There's also just a big lever on the floor, just right in the middle of the floor of the computer room. Nothing separating it from anyone who happens to be walking through. Now, I have a question for you, Mike, Uh, regarding the computer system. How often is that the case in these specials that you've watched? Like, how often is Santa running everything by computer? Like, I can think of one or two, but it was that pretty common, like, you know, from the 80s forward. Was it all computers? I think starting with the Santa Claus in 1994 is when they really started jumping into that Santa's high tech now sort of vibe. But uh, right around this time, it could go either way. It's 1985. Santa Claus, the movie came out in 1985, and that kind of went back to a very traditional Elzer toy makers. They have a big workshop, but they're doing everything by hand and all of these toys are made by wood. So It's kind of split even until the mid 90s. Okay, but I don't know whose idea it was to put this giant switch in the middle of the floor with no kind (laughs) of barrier around it. But we find out really quickly. It's the master Christmas switch. What does the master Christmas switch do? It starts Christmas. (laughs) I didn't understand how this exactly works. There's no logic to it. No, I was like, it, it. I thought it was like, oh, it just starts Christmas production. But no, it's more than that. <laughs> yeah. So we find out quickly what it does because poor clumsy Alan accidentally backs up into the switch. <laughs> which immediately sets the date readout on the mainframe to December 20th. So I'm not sure if this is a time machine. Or and and Punky and her friends just lost five months of their life and everyone just lost five months of their life or something 
more interesting or sinister is going on here, but the whole workshop full of conveyor belts and claw machines and everything starts making toys. Well, it seemed like... <laughs> I love how we're trying to find logic in this, by the way. <laughs> it seemed like you would be standing in July, and then all of a sudden time would move around you to christmas you wouldn't have lost five months it's just like the seasons would have moved forward five months because everyone was like like there was that part when henry's like it's it's snowing i just bought a bathing suit right everyone's still conscious well that doesn't happen quite yet first you just see all the conveyor belts just santa's workshops impacted at first mm-hmm. the, the sign says december 20th maybe that's when that can't be when they start preparing for christmas that seems really late yeah, five. Give yourself five days or four days at that yeah. point. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm just thinking all this. I know the air date is obviously not the date that this is taking place because we saw the July 20th. But I'm just imagining the crossover of the Back to the Future universe right now. What if <laughs> Einstein showed up at that moment oh. and, and had a whole mission while he blipped away, you know, in the parking lot, and he helped them save Christmas? That would have been awesome. Man, I wish Brandon wasn't even in this episode. No, no, Brandon. Hanging out with Einstein. Einstein picked him up. (laughs) And that's where Brandon is. Oh, that's it. it. We solved it. No, but December 20 is late to get started for us non-Santas. So it's especially late for him. I don't think that's what's going on. I think like Alan just pushed that lever all the way back. So it's December 20th. It's crunch time now. So that's why everything's kind of moving very quickly in that workshop. And because Ruby Spears is on a budget, we see three kinds of Christmas toys that come out. (laughs) The three kinds of Christmas toys, dolls, cars, and drums. That's it. That's what the kids want. Yeah. (laughs) Take my BuzzFeed quiz. What kind of Christmas toy are you? Are you a doll, a car, or a drum? (laughs) I'm a doll, probably. Punky Brewster will return after these messages. My name is Brewster. I live in Santa Claus. Hi, Bob Boone reminding you that Santa has a new friend and helper this year, Trump. It'll make a great gift, and the kids will really enjoy it. Look for this beautifully illustrated storybook, tape, and Frump doll at your favorite store and mall this Christmas. And remember, you too can wear Frump on your knee like me. comic book fan we've got a few questions for you were you obsessed with x-men as a kid did you stand in line to get a copy of the death of superman in the black poly bag did you buy every image comic no matter how long it took to hit the shelves then have we got the show for you Wizards, the podcast guide to comics, is the podcast where Adam and Michael re-examine the 90s comic book boom through the pages of Wizard Magazine and explore the world of gimmick covers, massive crossover events, and find out if those 20 copies of X-Force number one you stashed in your long box really did put your kids through college. And that's not all. We also bring you exclusive interviews with former Wizard staff members who tell behind-the-scenes stories from the guide to comics that defined a generation. In our special series, The Wizard Files. And wait, there's more! You'll get mini-episodes with 90s comic book reviews and more nostalgic fun. Wizards, the podcast guide to comics is brought to you by the Retro Network every Wednesday. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast app, and remember to keep your books bagged and boarded. 
We now return to Punky Brewster. Well, the kids kind of have no choice, really, but to help work the conveyor belts until someone can figure out how to stop them. But hang on a second. Before they can work the conveyor belts, they have to change into official standard-issue elf uniforms. Hey, Santa does have some standards. Rick is going to uphold them. (laughs) Workshop policy. Yeah. I do have to ask you, though. Why is Glomer dressed like a serf from medieval times instead of an elf? Because <laughs> he's got that weird frilly thing around yes. his neck. He's got, he looks like a gummy bear. He does look like a gummy bear. That's what I have written down. Glomer's dressed like one of the gummy bears. What's going on? <laughs> Some kind of elf union thing. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to put any elves out of work. That's why they don't just have the machine that can move a drum off a conveyor belt into a box. Yeah. You see Margo and Sherry, they have to actually assemble things as the pieces are coming along. They're not doing a great job. Yeah. Support the (laughs) elf union. (laughs) But unfortunately, Punky gets backed up pretty quickly trying to work this conveyor belt with the drums and asks Glomer for help. Glomer, this would be a good time for magic. Believe me. Yes, it certainly would help to have magic in Santa's workshop. (laughs) Santa took it with him, I guess, or he locks it up. He locks it up. (laughs) But Glomer tries to put the drum packing on autopilot, but he can't quite get it to work right. And it ends up, he ends up, Glomer ends up under a pile of red drums. Meanwhile, Alan, who started this mess, is trying to help Rick figure out how to shut everything down because apparently... That giant switch on the floor is just a one-way switch. And that's just bad engineering. (laughs) That is for sure. (laughs) So while Rick is reading through this instruction manual, Alan just starts turning knobs on the computer mainframe. Just, let's see what this does. And the first knob he touches gives him an electric shock. Maybe it wasn't the turning kind of knob. Maybe he was supposed to push it. But whatever happened with that the result is the computer has somehow set the weather around the globe into christmas mode it's it's very strange to know that santa controls the weather or at least has the potential because that's super villain talk right there it kind of is (laughs) it's the plot of the uh the avengers movie from 1998 sean connery can control the weather wow you're right and Yeah, the rarely seen uh, Justice League of America pilot where they had this weather wizard guy. Oh, yes. I have seen it. I just don't remember anything about it. (laughs) That's a good thing. (laughs) Yes, no, push that one right out of my brain. That's that's okay. Maybe this is how Santa manages his flight plan on Christmas Eve. Maybe it's all done by computers hooked up to satellites. No more foggy Christmas Eves in the modern age. <laughs> but Rudolph retired. He had to find a different plan. There it is. <laughs> well, it isn't a computer automated hub without a giant TV screen hooked up to a secret surveillance camera that can see anywhere in the world as the plot demands. So we see, uh oh, it's snowing in California in July. And it's also snowing in Chicago, where we see Henry for the first time this episode. Henry! Snow? I just bought a new bathing suit. Yes, yes. And getting a five months early start to Christmas will apparently ruin Christmas, according to Rick, who tells Punky there's now only one thing left to do. She has to go out and find Santa so he can fix everything and set time right 
because the one elf he left in charge can't figure it out. <laughs> I also like that. Does Rick know this is the part I can remember? Does he know where Santa is or did he just tell him to go look? No, he told him to go look. Just find Santa. He's somewhere on this planet. He does tell <laughs> Punky, check the beaches first. He said he wanted to come back with a tan. <laughs> but he doesn't have Santa's beeper. Like uh, he has no contingency plan for Nothing. any off-season nope. issues. Santa is <laughs> off the grid. Check the beaches on a planet that's mostly water. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Yep. And Punky and Gloomer are worried that Santa is going to be mad at them to boot. So, well, they have no other option. So Rick whisks them off to Santa's sleigh, where there appears to be. Full sacks in the back of the sleigh. What's in there? I mean, he's just always ready to go. That's the thing. Like when they say it's going to ruin Christmas, I say, no, you're just ahead of schedule. Santa's going to be happy. <laughs> Less stress. Right. I guess when we see like because Chicago starts a magic Christmas tree just is there now decorated <laughs> like somehow time has sped up, but no one remembers it. It's like that one episode of Futurama where. Time just started breaking up. The one where they're playing the Harlem Globetrotters? The one where they're playing the Harlem Globetrotters, yeah. yes. <laughs> just watched that the other day, actually. <laughs> yeah, we watched that not too long ago with the kids. They loved it. But first, they have to get in the air, and the two remaining reindeer are not making the process easy. Where are the other reindeer? They get vacation time, too? <laughs> Apparently so. That, you, you you think they'd just be hanging out? Yeah, like they get be like free range, maybe. You but. would think. Even the reindeer are unionized. Good. <laughs> well, Glomer's chasing these reindeer around, trying to hitch them up to the sleigh. He finally catches one, but the other runs away and he says, Okay, let's be doing it. No more Mr. Nice Glomer. And he wiggles his ears, summons a stream of sparkles, holds it like a lasso and catches the other reindeer that way. I loved that. That was uh, I know because I, you always just think, oh, the magic like activates something that's inanimate or whatever. But right. no, he can actually form, you know, solid objects out of it. That's kind of cool. Yeah. You see this kind of sparkling effect all the time everywhere. But this is the first time I consciously remember someone like taking those little star effects and using it tangibly. Uh, and then Glomer comments, Glomer seeing why you're not first string reindeer. So these aren't any of the reindeer we know either. These are the reindeer reserves. Their names are Phil and Gary. <laughs> and the, this <laughs> was the best bit of the show to me, was the lazy reindeer, Phil and Gary. That, that It seems like they're there just because they were too lazy to get up and try to go anywhere like the other reindeer. You know, it's just like they're literally just laying down when they arrive at the, at the <laughs> Santa's village. You know, they're just like sitting by the steps. But I like to believe that they're like Rudolph slacker buddies from college. You just hook them up with the job. <laughs> it's like hilarious. off season temp reindeer, but they, so, you know, that's it. terrible. Yeah. They're just, they're on the sidelines just in case they're like the fourth <laughs> string reindeer. Yeah. But now finally, Punky and Glomer are flying Santa's sleigh through the sky, doing a pretty decent job for a first timer. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying to remember now, did they see the airplane yet? Yeah, this is when they get tossed around a bit with some turbulence passing okay. by a 747 jet. And one of those pilots, that's Frank Welker as well? 
Oh, yeah, that's he's doing like his resting Fred voice for that one. Isn't that Santa sleigh? Forget I said that. Because I heard it, I was like, is that Iceman from Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends? <laughs> <laughs> I immediately just heard Ray Stance. Yes. Yeah. Or, or yeah, Fred from Scooby-Doo. Or Fred from Scooby-Doo, yeah. That's okay. Man, that Fred guy voice. just worked. He was in everything we watched as kids. Oh, yeah, still is. Still, I mean, they're making another Transformers movie. He's amazing. But it was just great, like, hearing what I thought of immediately as Iceman being the yeah. pilot of an airplane. <laughs> Just like it just took me back to, you know, 1984, just watching Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Well, it's not long until Punky actually does manage to spot Santa on a remote island from the air. And if they're that high that they're above passenger jets, which usually coast over the ocean at 30,000 feet, how Punky can actually see Santa says less about her keen eyesight and more about the fact that she could see Santa from the stratosphere. <laughs> she has Santa sense. That's what I feel like. She's just like, she's where, where's Santa? Where's my skateboard? She just said she's developed these paranormal powers. Oh, that you could know? be it. Yes. <laughs> I need to know. Or with exposure, prolonged exposure to Glomer, possibly. Oh, that could be it. Yeah. Or she's just, she's in panic mode now. She's like, we need to fix Christmas. And Santa indeed is relaxing in a lounge chair on the beach of this remote island. He's got a Walkman on, red Hawaiian shirt with Christmas trees, and I kind of want one. (laughs) He was, he was slaying in that outfit. He was. Well, and Frank Welker's doing Santa's voice, too. And who are you? Your good buddy, Finn Glomer person. Glomer? I did not pick up on that. He's the utility player. He's the guy. I believe, Stephen, the last time we talked about Frank Welker voicing Santa on this podcast was in A Chipmunk Christmas. Yes, and that was when I I kind of put together who Frank Welker was because I wasn't a hundred percent sure until you told me because okay. I, I recognized that voice obviously from my childhood, but I never thought I never connected it to the name Frank Welker until that podcast. Well, all right, hey, happy to help. But <laughs> by my count, this is the fifth episode of the podcast featuring Frank Welker as the voice of Santa Claus. Wow, it's an MVP, that's for sure. What are the other three? Uh, real Ghostbusters right at the end. He like you hear Santa overhead, uh, a wish for wings that work with Opus the Penguin. And uh, now I have to look it up. I didn't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry for asking. It's okay. I'm going to look it up. His IMDb is luckily, uh, just (laughs) 5,000 credits. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be faster if I find it this way. Oh, Inspector Gadget saves Christmas. Of course. Uh, Double duty is Dr. Claw. And Santa. Interesting. Does he also voice Rick the Elf in this? Oh, yeah. He's got to. He, yeah. They don't have anybody else on the show. It's the main cast and Frank Welker. Yeah, like, it's, not, it's not George Gaines. We can say Definitely that. Much. Not. <laughs> uh, the second most appearances of Santa I have in the podcast so far is Paul Freeze because he does all the Rankin Bass ones. Uh. Sure. But I think there's only one more that he's been Santa in that I haven't covered yet. So he can only tie at best. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but the first words out of Santa's mouth upon seeing Glomer are, and who are you? Glomer. 
It's like you meet one person that's really cool one time and you're like, we're best friends. Yeah. And they're like, I meet a lot of people, kid. You know? <laughs> this whole time, Glomer was talking up how he and Santa were good buddies and the poor guy wasn't expecting it to not be the case for Santa. I can't blame him. He, Santa's clearly had a positive impact on Glomer's life, but Santa meets a lot of people. Kind of makes you think that he doesn't know when you're sleeping or know when you're awake. If he doesn't even know who Glomer is. Well, he's handling humans. He's not handling these Glomies <laughs> right. and Sean Dune. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes, I Sean. guess that's so. But yeah. you'd think if he met one once, it would be it would create a lasting memory. You would think. Yeah. All right, Santa. Although Glomer does mention that the last time he met him was 60 years ago. Did I get that right? 60, 60 yizzles is what he says. <laughs> Who is he, Snoop? The oh, fuck? Right. What is this? <laughs> oh. Who knows what a yizzle equals? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, Glomer's 104 years old, the theme song establishes, so that could be any amount of time. But now Santa remembers saying, oh, yes, we had to buy a new sleigh because of you. And now I want to hear that story. That That's its own Christmas special. Right. We need that. We need the prequel. We yep. do. We don't get that story because Punky has to break the news to Santa that his master Christmas switch has been turned on. And that makes Santa's head spin around so fast his sunglasses fly off his face. And this is such a dire emergency. Santa doesn't even wait around for Punky and Glomer. He picks up the two of them under his arms and runs to the sleigh. No time to even let them get in themselves. Just yoink, let's go. and just like that we're back at the workshop spelled correctly this time i noticed but inside cherry margo and alan are still very busy trying to load up as many boxes as possible with gifts (laughs) and they seem to be getting along better than punky and glomer did so that's a plus you got to hand it to Margo because this definitely doesn't seem like it's her scene. It seems like she would have like not agreed to help out. And here she is. She's got the Christmas spirit, I guess. She is on the line. Yeah, I would have figured Margo would be like, all right, I'll supervise. But no, <laughs> she's being a team player here. When Christmas is on the line, Margo doesn't mess around. <laughs> gotta love that about her. Yeah. And Santa just laughs for a second before showing Punky what he calls his override escape mechanism, which is just unplugging the computer. Oh, Santa. Oh, man, that guy. So this has never happened in the in the thousands of years of Santa. No one has accidentally hit that switch on the floor. I guess not. Until Alan came in. I guess that's why no one thought of it. Yeah, no one thought of it. Amazing. But Santa just saved Christmas by unplugging it and plugging it back in. (laughs) He didn't even have to call tech support. He already knew the answer. (laughs) Maybe that's where tech support got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not quite, he admits. That was just the first very important step. But now the rest of the world is still apparently stuck in Christmas mode. Which some would argue, well, that doesn't sound too terrible. But I understand. I've seen enough adaptations of Christmas every day to know better. So Rick the Elf brings Santa a toolbox, and we don't see exactly what Santa does with what tools on which part of his mainframe computer, but we see through Santa's magic surveillance camera, Henry in Chicago putting the finishing touches on a snowman outside his building. 
Because you figure, well, if it's snowing, I'm going to make the most of it. This is very strange weather. It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I have to ask about Santa tinkering around with this device. Why did he build his weather controlling view screen machine with the only access being this short, wide hatch at the bottom? How can he even fit through that? That is so bizarre. He just climbs out from underneath. Oh, yeah. That is an elf sized bottom shelf that Santa has to slide under. <laughs> so he's not making things easy for himself. Maybe he didn't build it. It's possible, yeah. That's the, true, the elf yeah. IT. Maybe yeah. it's elf made. Yeah, elf IT. That's it. But, <laughs> but he's doing the best he can. Rick, I mean, Rick's the only other person there, so Santa, he knows. He he got the uh the basics on how this works. So I'm glad someone does. And now Christmas is actually saved. But that unfortunately means Henry's poor snowman is about to melt just as he puts the finishing touches on it. <laughs> and now that Christmas is actually saved and it's July again, Santa wants to know how this all started. But Glomer tells him it being a long story. And Punky adds, yeah, we better be going now. And that works. Santa just drops it. He's anxious to get back onto his island. That's why. I don't blame him. Well, she used punky power. She uses punky trick power. Santa. Come on. I think Santa also understands the time constraints of the episode that they have to get to some toy commercials. They pack a lot <laughs> into 10 minutes. I will say this story does not have waste time. It just moves so quickly. Yeah, this is a 10 minute long episode. I know. I gotta say, though, Punky is super clever when she explains that she was waiting to ask Sid for the skateboard until he forgot. Like, th the idea of that, like, reasoning is so in line with the character from the live action show. It yes. is. So, so I, again, I love just how they've really kept everything on, you just on brand for the characters. They've, they've kept the same tone and everything outside of, you know, some magic here. I do want to mention one other thing with this series that just stands out to me. Sure. Is even the consistency of Henry's apartment. It, it, when you watch like other episodes and things like that, like her weird horse-drawn cart bed in her room is there. <laughs> wow. Like just the kitchen, like everything, like it, it's set up exactly like the series. So that they could have gotten, you know, just said, oh, you know, just whatever. It's a house. It's an apartment. It's a whatever. But they didn't, you know, they really paid attention to everything. That's impressive. Well, here's here's what I was thinking while I was watching this. As as a huge fan of Punky Brewster, and as someone who really loved the the uh, the sequel series that came out, mm -hmm. if there was a season two of the Punky Brewster uh, live action uh, sequel series, could they have worked in Glomer somehow? Is Glomer <laughs> is Glomer possible to work in like some sort of live action form? A dream sequence, something. Yeah, I kept waiting all that season. Like, are they gonna drop <laughs> a name, or are they gonna talk about a magical leprechaun just briefly? Like, but we got nothing. And yeah, it was just like they could have had a hamster they named Glomer, you know, or something. Not even as a reference or a joke. Nothing. No. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Or like an imaginary friend that she talked about, or just bring Frank Welker in as like a store owner named like Bob Glomer. <laughs> Bob you know, Glomer. just sure. something, yeah, some nod to the fact that Glomer is part of the punky mythos. I don't know, absolutely, would have been cool. Would have been cool now that Peacock's got a bit more money that they can throw out and uh use for things like this. 
let's bring let's bring a live action Glomer into this somehow. Yeah, you can put a CGI Glomer in there. Even a even like a puppet. Give me a give me a Muppet Glomer. Oh, <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It would have to be uh, from from Henson proper though. Sure. To get on Peacock. Uh, and I did want to mention one last thing that I hinted at at the beginning is just that this cartoon, it taught me a very important life skill because at the end of one episode, Punky just winks at the camera before it cuts to credits. Yep. And I had never considered winking as something that I was physically capable of as like huh. a four year old until I saw Punky do it. And I remember I spent the whole week like scrunching up my face though on one side, trying to gain control of my facial and eye muscles. And by the next Saturday, I could like wink like a champ. And I was nice. so proud of myself. And it was wow. all because of that Punky power. So Punky taught you how to wink. That's amazing. That's right. Way to go. <laughs> I will say. Santa offers to drop Punky and her friends back off in Chicago on his way back to his uh, beach retreat. And again, he drops the kids off on the roof. (laughs) He did that on Frosty. Episode one on this podcast, Santa and Frosty the Snowman drops Karen off on the roof of her very tall house and leaves her there. I know this is how Santa gets into houses, but the rest of us can't travel this way. (laughs) at least punky there's an elevator or stairs to get them down from from that building but isn't that how punky sneaks into cherry's apartment in the first episode yes it is fire escape yeah yeah fire escape yeah no they're on the actual roof here but okay you can get to the fire escape from the roof so punky has some fire escape experience she does. She does. And I was just realizing, too, the other character that they should have gotten in here is Eddie. Eddie Deason. He yeah, should have been Eddie? This series. He yeah. wasn't doing anything. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, when we watched that last episode, that was his last appearance on the show. So he was already gone. That's a good point. Already. Yeah. <laughs> Very little Eddie Deason. Yeah. <laughs> the actual punky Brewster. But I feel like Alan probably would have fallen to his death. Climbing probably. Down that roof. <laughs> yeah. Like his whole character trait is that he's a klutz. Yep. So you're putting a klutz on a roof That's not a winning formula, Santa. Maybe not great. And weirdly, Alan's the one who remembers. Hey, wait a minute, Punky. You never asked Santa about the skateboard. I know. I figured I'd better give him some time, you know, to forget. <laughs> and Glomer ends the episode with Better be giving him long time. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the episode. Yes, indeed. Do you have any final thoughts about It's Punky Brewster in general or this Christmas in July episode in particular? <laughs> I'll just say, I think until a few days ago, I thought we were doing the season two episode of the live action Punky Brewster. <laughs> So I was doing a ton of research into that. And then when you sent Adam Lank, I was like, wait, what, what's this episode? <laughs> so it's uh, it was fun. It was definitely it, I don't it's not on any Christmas special tapes that I have from my childhood. So it was kind of cool to revisit it. Uh, it was very much like some of it reminded me of the um, the Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas special that we wa- like watched and talked yep. about. Mm-hmm. Like her staring longingly through the window 
Oh yeah. At a skateboard while he was staring at the golden harmonica. Yes. There were some like Alvin crossovers for me. It was a fun Christmas special. I don't know if it'll go into my regular rotation every year, but it was cool to explore this. Oh, I mean, obviously I I came in loving the series and I left loving the series. It just, it's got, again, it it could be so bad and it's (laughs) not bad. It's, it's just silly and fanciful. And it's even the jokes are not like the old timey, like vaudeville jokes that were like (laughs) Hanna-Barbera cartoons. You know, like they, they are like of, you know, of the time and for the characters, they work like they keep everything, you know on you know like like really focus on how these characters would behave and so for me like you know and this is actually the truth i watch more of the cartoon than i do the live action series and that's probably going to continue so <laughs> yeah, that is insane that's crazy <laughs> that's just absurd this is my punky oh punky and clover I, those would be my two tattoos if i ever got them one on each arm uh, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> like like <laughs> like the love hate tattoo yeah punky yeah. glomer punky glomer punk glom yeah <laughs> sure uh, yeah okay sure i i mean i like you know i got so emotional watching the season one punky brewster christmas special uh with you guys and i do not feel those same emotions watching this no no that was an all-timer but but this was fun it's fun it's yeah. fun and glomer lived up to the hype Absolutely. And even Boner. And even <laughs> Boner in your background. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll see if he shows up off model Glomer at some point. <laughs> Here we you go. Know, this is like, a, this is a mystery that you need to solve. You need to figure out why there's a fake Glomer on the back of the Punky Brewster <laughs> yeah, VHS. It's so tapes. weird. It looks like it was like colored in MS Paint. Yeah. We, we got it. We're sending this out to the internet now. It's, so it's in up the to show you notes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, but Glomer does get to shine more in other non-holiday episodes, and they're not too difficult to find if you go looking for them. But remember, the cartoon series is unofficially called It's Punky Brewster. But thank you both for joining me on this wacky adventure. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Woo. My pleasure. We have punky power here. Woo, yes, we today. do. And if people want to interrupt your tanning session on a remote island, where can they find you on the Internet? Adam. Oh, well, hey, find me at Hoju Coolander on Twitter and Instagram. Good luck spelling it. Ask your friends. <laughs> um, but of course, if you want to hear more of my thoughts on old stuff, well, you can find me on Wizards, the podcast guide to comics, where we are exploring the 90s comic book boom through the pages of Wizard Magazine. So that's at Wizards Comics on Twitter, at Wizards underscore comics on Instagram as well. You'll see lots of old, old things that might spark some nostalgia for you. And Steven. I am mostly private on social media now because of uh, work. Uh, I sold out. Uh, But uh, (laughs) if you want to find my film that I directed, UFO Club, it is now free on Tubi. UFO Club to BTV. Yes, you guys will love UFO Club if you love the show. I have a feeling uh, it's it's such a charming little show. I love this. Thank you, thank you. And of course, you can find all of those links in the show notes of this episode or at AdventCalendar.house. That's where you can also find where I happen to be hanging out online. Thank you once again for listening. Our Christmas in July season continues in a couple of days with a stop at a familiar address. 
Until then, for Steven and Adam, from my badly designed master control room where the on switch doubles as a tripping hazard that controls the world's climate, this is Mike Westfall reminding you to mind the icy patch and wishing you all the punky power in the world. Good night. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... Could there be such a thing as too much Christmas? A certain furry red monster is about to find out. I don't want it to be Christmas every day.